0: All right, all right. How many of you guys appreciate our worship team and how they lead us? Appreciate Ethan. He does a good job. He loves it when I do stuff like this. Appreciates it so much. So some of y'all, some of you, how many of y'all were raised in a denominational church background? Anybody in the house? Okay. So we we probably have every kind of church background that you can imagine represented in this place. Like. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, but a lot of people, what, the way we just worship God, that may not be what you're used to. <laughs> you may not have ever worshiped God ever before anyway. So you're just like, I don't know what anything is right now. Uh, you don't know what's going on. Uh, but you may like notice like that there's people around you that maybe are a little more passionate, engaged in worship. You may see people raising your hands around you, and that's just a sign of surrender. That's just like a physical act of demonstrating I'm open, God, to whatever you want to do. But you may be thinking, man, this is weird. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I thought, you know, you're supposed to be a little more subdued in church. And, but this is the way we look at it. If we can go to a concert, if we can go to a Razorback game, And make total fools out of ourselves, we can come before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has given us everything and show him some praise. So, if you don't mind, let's do that again. Let's just lift his name up in this place. We've been talking about some different fears. We started with the fear of the future, the fear of man. Last week we talked about the fear of death. Today I want to talk about the fear of failure, the fear of failure. I believe that there's probably a large percentage of us that have struggled this this one at one point or another. I know I have over the course of my life. Uh, I know that I've had plenty of failures. Uh, I will say that some of my failures have been more attributed to not moving past failures than necessarily things that I actually had to fail at. There is a lot of things that happen in our lives that even from a young age can begin to set us up to have this fear. If you had some different struggles when you were younger, if depending on how you were raised, depending on the household you were raised in, depending on what the relationship looked like with your parents, uh, whether you, they were around or not, a lot of these things, I find that a lot of times it's the enemy. He'll start to, be, to speak these lies into our ears to make us believe that because maybe something else failed or someone else failed, that that somehow is going to be the way it is for us too. Uh, I struggled with some learning disabilities when when I was young, I got diagnosed with dyslexia. Uh, So, and then we struggled financially. My dad was in an auto pedestrian accident when I was really young and that led to a lot of different issues in our house and ultimately led to my parents' divorce. So my parents getting divorced put a little bit of a thought in me of this fear of, well, you know, there hasn't ever been a couple in my family that hasn't been divorced. So am I just doomed to fail in marriage too? Uh, We struggled financially. Uh, We we moved around a lot. In some respects, uh, I was homeless for a few years and and lived in different people's homes and lived out of a bag. And so there was a fear that I would always fail financially. And and so I had to work through these things. By the grace of God, I really felt like I kind of overcame all those things. Uh, I really felt like I was able to move beyond them. But but the enemy is always looking for the opportunity. Understand this, not every failure in your life is from the devil. Like we make mistakes. Some of y'all are real boneheads, okay? And, and you're prone to, to making mistakes. But, but I will say that regardless of whether or not the enemy's caused every failure in your life, he likes to use them. He's certainly looking for that opportunity. Also, God wants to use them. That's, that, that's what we're gonna talk about today. I've failed in ministry too. I've made plenty of mistakes in ministry. Uh, When we first moved from Colorado, to Arkansas, I moved here to be the youth pastor for New Life Church. At that point, we didn't have as many campuses. There's just two campuses, Conway and Little Rock, but I was a youth pastor over, over both of those campuses. And I'll tell you what, I came in with a lot of confidence. I just felt like, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to come in and be the best youth pastor ever. And we're going to have thousands of high school students packing out our sanctuaries. And and it's just going to be amazing. And they're going to write about us in Christian magazines. And this is going to be incredible. And within just a few months, I chiseled that youth group down to about 10 people. And that was including Pastor Rick's mom. Okay, so it wasn't going well. Granted, there was a lot of a situation and circumstance around it that made it a difficult time. But, but at the end of the day, the truth is this: I failed at being a youth pastor, and it was really difficult because when I failed at that, I I started questioning my calling. Like, like, did we make the biggest mistake ever moving to Arkansas and and coming being a part of this church? Like. The mountains are beautiful. You know, like, did did we just? And I'm like, am I going to be able to be successful at anything in ministry? And so I could have just let that failure, because that's what it was, just define me. Like, done. Just going to camp out there in failure. And when you get into that place, you start letting a lot of different thoughts into your mind. Like man, you're just always gonna mess up. You're not quite good enough. You're going to fail, you're gonna always struggle. I think how you handle fear makes the biggest difference in the world. How do you handle failure? How do you handle it? Maybe you said something that you regret. You shouldn't have said, you did something you never thought possible. That you could do, uh, maybe you mistreated someone, maybe you totaled your car, or got fired, or you lost your scholarship. How do you respond to these failures? Do you get mad, cry, blame people, throw things? You feel worthless. Replay it in your head over and over again. Eat chocolate. It's not a bad way to respond. I mean, some people go and just buy a bunch of stuff. You ever bought something you regretted? Like a cat? Something like that? I mean, people do a lot of crazy things when they're feeling like a failure. I'm kidding. I love my cat people. I love you. I think a lot of this, when it comes to the fear of failure, is when you have failed, where there's potential for it, it's the what if. What if, the power of the what if. What if I always fail? What if I fall back into failing? What if I fall back into that sin? What if it doesn't work? What if I'm not qualified? What if I can never become successful? What if I continue to make bad decisions? I want to give you some facts about failure. These are not going to feel that encouraging, but I think we have to talk about the facts. First of all, Failure is inevitable. Failure is inevitable. I know that's not the most encouraging thing. Nobody's probably going to go get that tattooed somewhere, but it is the truth. You will fail. It's going to happen. And even if you try to avoid failure, you're still going to fail. In fact, taking no risk in life and playing it safe so you don't fail is actually still Failing. Also, failure is irresistible, or not irresistible, irreversible, (laughs) which is also very similar. Dyslexia. The mistakes are permanent memories. We can learn from our mistakes, but we can't change them, they happen. And this is why we have to use failure to our advantage. We have to move on and not get paralyzed. Also, failure is indispensable. Walter Brunel said it this way, failure is the tuition you pay for success. In other words, when you understand that failure can help you, it can lead to success. Failure keeps you humble. You either be humble when you fail or you'll just always be humiliated. It teaches you what works. It teaches you what doesn't work. Most importantly, it can teach you to completely and totally rely on God. I want you to write this down somewhere on your notes because for some of you, this needs to be a declaration. Failing does not make me a failure. It doesn't have to define you. You're not a failure. Maybe you think that all successful people, great leaders never fail, but it's the exact opposite. Many times, the greater the leader, the greater the most more successful they are, the more that they have failed in life. So I want to I want to talk about a leader in the Bible who was a great example of this for us. We've talked a little bit about him before. His name's Peter. To give you some context, I want to kind of go through a timetable of Peter's ministry because I think it'll help encourage you. Uh, one day, Peter, he's a fisherman, pretty normal guy. Jesus comes along and says, hey, I want you to come work with me. I, I want to make you a fisher of men. I, I want to I teach you how to do ministry. To Peter's credit, he put aside his career, and follow Jesus. Well, that's good. I think that's a great thing. And then Peter begins to experience all these miracles. I mean, he's watching the demonstration of of God's power through Jesus, like, all the time. So you you would imagine his faith is getting pretty established and firm. Uh, At one point, Jesus actually healed Peter's mother-in-law. So on a personal level, he got to experience this. And during this time, Jesus changes his name from Simon. It used to be Simon to Peter, which means the rock. Like that's a pretty encouraging thing. Like, yeah, the rock. I don't think he was built like him, but it was was his name. Peter was the disciple also, though, who tried to walk on water. To his credit, he got out of the boat. At least he got out of the boat. The rest of the disciples didn't get out of the boat. He's walking on water, right? That seems successful. And then he saw a wave. And all of a sudden his faith is gone. And he starts to sink. So Jesus has to rescue him, pulls him up. And then then Jesus says, what happened to your faith? So Peter failed in that moment which it's hard for me to imagine like, okay, it'd be, I mean, it's gutsy. It's brave. Like there's a storm going on, see Jesus out walking on the water. Can I come out to you? Sure. Come on out. Paraphrasing. So Peter steps out and, but as soon as your foot hits what feels like a solid surface when it should be water and you take a few steps, I think, man, I'm good now. Oh, a wave. But isn't that just the way that it happens? You can be walking in so much confidence and so much faith. Whether it's a big or a little thing, all of a sudden that big or little thing makes your Jesus so small. And and a lot of times that, that can lead to failure. So in spite of that, Jesus tells Peter that he's gonna build his church with him, on him. But then right after that, they're in this situation where Jesus tells the disciples, hey, I'm going to have to die for you guys. And Peter's like, insisted that Jesus not give up his life. And like, Jesus like, no, this has to happen. And Peter's like, no, you can't do this. And so then Peter, or then Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Like that's a pretty severe failure, I think. Like if, if Jesus ever has to look at you and compare you to Satan because you're getting in the way, that's pretty pretty much a failure. So he's struggling with all this. And then Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him. In Matthew 26, verse 33, it says, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Okay, so the same day that he makes, he says this, the same day, Jesus goes to the garden of Gethsemane. and, And remember, Peter just said, I will die for you, Jesus. Peter, or Jesus says, hey, I just need to go pray for a little bit. Do you guys mind just hanging out here, keeping watch, pray? Can you do that? Jesus goes off and they fall asleep. Not just once, a couple times. <laughs> Fail. Like You're saying you would die for me. You can't even stay awake for me. Then these people come to arrest Jesus. He's going to be crucified. Peter takes out a sword, cuts off a guard's ear. It's a pretty awkward moment. First of all, Peter clearly failed at knowing how to use the sword. (laughs) But he's again trying to get in the way of what Jesus told him has to happen. So Jesus heals the guy's ear. But then after that, the greatest failure of all. Verse 69, chapter 26. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. This is after Jesus was arrested, being interrogated. Servant girl came over to him and said, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean, but Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, one of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows you will deny me three times that you even know me and he went away weeping bitterly that's a pretty epic fail especially after everything that he vowed that he would die he would never desert him he'd never denied him denied that he even knew him so the rest of the story is we know Jesus he was tortured falsely accused, eventually crucified. He died. He did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. And one of the best parts of that story is when he rose from the grave, one of the first people he asked about was Peter. The epic failure. And so eventually, Jesus finds Peter and he restores him. And we remember Peter as this great apostle. He boldly and tirelessly proclaimed who Jesus was, ministering the gospel, baptizing thousands of people, doing miracles. The sick, the lame, the blind were healed. In fact, he was so anointed by God, even his shadow was healing people. People were chasing around just trying to get in his shadow. And he lived the rest of his life as one of the greatest spiritual leaders in all of history, this epic failure. So how do we handle failure? Because it's how we handle failure that makes a difference. We're not going to talk about how you avoid it, because you can not avoid it. We can talk about how to handle it. First of all, you got to get up. Get up. Peter could have wallowed in self-pity the rest of his life. Um, He sure had the track record that would have allowed him to do that. But he got back up. He went to do work for God. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. For some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do today is just simply get back up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Lift your head up. Your past is your past. It can be a part of an amazing testimony and not just a sad story. And some of you, you feel so ashamed of yourself, so guilty. You're down on yourself. You can't believe you could be so foolish. You you don't know why you did what you did. How you can make that kind of mistake. Please, get up. This is what the grace of God is for. Jesus paid the price that he paid so that you could get up again and again and again, however many times you need to get up. When you're raising kids and your kids are first starting, starting to learn how to walk, I have never seen a parent. I've never seen a dad. I don't care how heartless you are. I have never seen a parent that when their kid first started to try to take those first couple of steps and they fell down they're like, that's it. They never gonna walk their whole life. Look at them little toothpicks trying to hold it up. It's like an orange on a toothpick. So wobbly. No, like you help them get back up. You get them back up. You get them back up. Doesn't matter how many times. You keep getting them back up. Because you know every time they get back up, they're probably going to get a little stronger. They're going to figure it out. You believe and you have hope that they're gonna figure it out. Well, if we're like that and we're bonehead parents, how much more is your heavenly father wanting to prop you back up? He can't make you, though. You ever try to make a kid stand up? You ever been in that spot where they lift their legs up or just become dead weight? Ooh. <laughs> God still loves us even when we're like that. I love this verse. Philippians 3.13. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Uh, this I think this is so important for some of us to understand because some of us like, but... But James, you don't understand the mistake. You don't understand the failure. But you don't, you don't get, you don't, but, but you don't understand everything. I be, but you don't, this is bad. But you, you, you may say that, but my failure is, is more epic than, but, 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 and I've said this before, I'll say it again. Stop focusing on your butts. Some of us in this room, we have big butts. Some of us have small butts. B-U-T-S, stop focusing on your butts. Stop, stop going to that. And I also wanna say this. Have you noticed that everything on your biological body is oriented forward? Your feet point forward. Your arms, hands, legs work forward. Your eyes are forward. Your ears are oriented to hear what is ahead of you there is only one thing on your body that is oriented backwards (laughs) and nothing good has ever come from there. (laughs) This is God trying to tell us, stop worrying about what is behind you and start moving forward. I've designed you to move on. Get up, move forward. Also, get better. Get better. You do that by learning from your mistakes. Peter learned from it. In fact, Jesus literally handed over the future of the church to him. And he said he was going to do this before all of Peter's mistakes. Jesus knew Peter was going to make all the mistakes mistakes he made. And he still said, hey, I'm planning on giving you responsibility for starting the greatest move in history. Matthew sixteen eighteen says this, "'Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock, "'and upon this rock I will build my church, "'and all the powers of hell will not conquer it.'" Every successful person I've ever read about or talked to has said that, that failure is not optional, it's essential if you can learn from it. If you don't learn from failures, then failures become your worst enemy. But if you can learn from failures, then they can become your best friend. I would not be who I am today without failures. So back to the story, when I bombed it as a youth pastor, oh, I became a youth pastor again at this campus for a season. And I used everything that I learned from the first time. All the mistakes that I made, I learned from them. I figured out, like, one of the reasons why I failed is because I was trying to do it all myself, so I built an amazing team. and They helped me carry the load. And we were able to build a pretty doggone good youth group. Get better from your mistakes. If you don't learn from your failures, then you'll repeat them, though. That's not a good place to be. God doesn't want us to fail on purpose. The Bible calls these types of people fools. And their lives are not optimal. You can read all about them in Proverbs. Proverbs also get going, get going. So after the resurrection, after Jesus raises from the grave and he's out and he's encountered a lot of people, but at one point he encounters Peter. Peter actually was still wrestling and struggling and discouraged. He went back to fishing, but Jesus came after him and demonstrated another miracle um, as he's fishing and catches a bunch of fish and Peter sees him and he actually dives out of the boat to swim back to shore to, to, to see Jesus. And, uh, and then they have a meal. They have breakfast together. And in John 21, verse 15, it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. There's so much, there's a whole message in this, with everything that's going on. Peter denied Jesus three times. Three times Jesus gives Peter an opportunity to speak real truth. But he's also, Jesus is also speaking to his purpose. He's also saying, you need to hear the truth of who I've created you to be. You made a mistake. You did fail, but it's time. It's time to get to work. It's time to move forward. Stop focusing on that. It's time. Take care of my sheep. I'm leaving you the church. Move forward. Get going. I think that it can be really overwhelming sometimes, thinking about everything that we need to do. I think if you are in a place where fear has crippled you, and you don't want to move forward, you're gonna wind up having a lot of thoughts that are contrary to what this says about you. And you'll wind up feeling helpless and hopeless, and, and you'll wind up struggling with some psychological issues too. You'll, you'll fall into just depression. And anxiety. you've got to take a step. A step. Uh, one of the things, I, I get stressed. I can, I can be very anxious. Uh, a Kind of a lighthearted way that I, I think about this is, anybody have a honey-do list? <laughs> anybody, honey-do list? Okay, Cody has never put pressure on me with a honey-do list. I'm very thankful. She doesn't have to put pressure on me. I put pressure on myself. Every time something breaks, every time something goes wrong, I put it on my list, and it's this list. It's up here in my head. And then what happens is a lot of times I'll, I'll be trying to go, go to sleep at night, and I'll be thinking about my list. Thinking about it, so I'll start getting anxious, and I'm stressing, and I'm worrying about it. And what I have found is there has never been a time, it didn't matter how hard I stressed and how much I worried, I've never woken up the next morning and anything on the list been taken care of. Like it's never been in. Wouldn't that be awesome, though? It'd be awesome. Like, man, I, I did work last night, man. So much stuff got done, but it never does. Okay? There's scripture about that too. So, the, so what I've learned, what I have to do is I have to make a list. Write it out. If I write it out, sometimes I have to get up in the middle of the night and do this. Write it out. What are the things I got to do? And then I put these beautiful check boxes next to them. Mm. Mm. And the next day, I just... Take a step and I mark it off. If you don't start there, you won't move anywhere. You got to take a step. Some of you are like, I'm just not a, really a natural risk taker. And this feels really risky. Well, this is what I want to say to you. If that's you, this is what you need to do. As soon as service is over, I want you to drive down to Home Depot. And I want you to go in there. And I think it's like towards the back right corner. You need to get a ladder. You need to buy that ladder and get over it. (laughs) Because because the bottom line is this. You have to take risk in life or you will never move anywhere. And if you're waiting for the perfect situation and the perfect environment and the perfect circumstance to take your step, you will never move anywhere because there's never going to be a perfect time. You just got to take your step. Take your step. It's time to get going. It's not just because of what you are missing out in your life, but it is also about what God has put inside of you and your calling and your purpose that he is meant to impact other people and they will never get to see it. So you remember the power of the what if? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Let's turn it around. What if all of your failures by the grace of God are a testimony that by the way you've responded to all your failures, it's gonna encourage somebody else that can see your story and think, man, I thought I was a loser. Check out that loser. But look at them and look what God has done in them and through them and look how they've been healed and restored. What if all your failures or a way to get somebody else up and going? What if all your failures and your thoughts about it has just been a lie from the pit of hell? And the moment you get up and take a step, you kick the devil in the teeth and let him know what truth you're gonna begin to believe. What if? What if you are actually meant to be successful? What if you are qualified? What if that relationship can be restored? What if? What if? You'll never know if you don't take a step. You'll never know. So what is your step? I don't know. Maybe you need to make a phone call. You need to forgive somebody. You need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe that step is you need to confess some sin to God and maybe to a spouse or somebody that would hold you accountable. Maybe your step is you you need to make a payment on that credit card. You need to take a step. I don't know what it is, but please get going. God's got too much to do in you and through you. Don't believe the lies. Leverage your failure, leverage it to do something great. You're more than an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I think some of us, the reason why we have this tendency towards believing that we're a failure and then repeating failures is because we don't understand how God sees us. We don't understand that he has never seen us as a failure. Some of us are afraid to have a relationship with God because we think I'm just going to fail him. But again, that's why Jesus paid the price that he paid. There's no ma- it doesn't matter how many times we failed. He's, the fact of the matter is this, because of what Jesus did when you accept relationship with God through his son, Jesus, God sees you the same way he sees Jesus. And I promise you, God does not see his only son as a failure. And he doesn't see his sons and daughters as failures. But the only way that you're gonna be able to experience this grace, to walk in freedom, to have hope that even if you did fail, you can get up, get better, and get going. The only way you can do that is you have to have relationship with him. And so this morning, if you don't have relationship with him, maybe because you're afraid that your failures have been too much and he can't accept you, or you don't wanna have relationship with him because you just know you're gonna fail again, or maybe you just never even thought about it, but you feel no hope, no real peace. You try to make it, you try to fake it, but if you were honest, there's nothing that has brought you fulfillment in life. It's because you were created for a reason, for a purpose that's bigger than even this life. But the only way you can experience that is in relationship with God. If you're here today and you've never done that or you did it, but you've gone away from him, you feel distant from God, maybe you need to come back to him. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I I promise. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird, but I'm gonna ask you to be bold enough just to admit it, just to confess it. And what I'm gonna ask you to do doesn't actually get you saved, it's where your heart is. But I do believe that anytime you make a decision of your own free will and you act upon it, man, it opens you up to receive God's grace. So if you're here today, you know you're away from him. You're ready to surrender to him. You're ready to to start letting him use the failures of your life as a testimony. You need to rededicate your life to him. Nobody looking around. If that's you, will you please put your hand up boldly right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it. Thank you, guys. Bunch of hands. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Make sure I see you. I just want you to know I got you i'm going to be praying with you, believing with you. okay yes, sir. got it. Anybody else? I'm ready to surrender to him I'm ready to let him define me, not my failures. Yes, got it. okay for those folks that raise your hands let's just talk to him let's just be honest. is this This is a simple prayer. Just say, I know that I failed more times than I can count, but I I believe now that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price on the cross for my failures, for my sin. And I believe that that because of the price you paid on the cross, that I can be forgiven. And I ask for your forgiveness and I surrender my life to you. I want you to lead me and guide me. I don't want to do life on my own and I don't want to, pretend like I can do it on my own. I know that I need you. I surrender to you as my Lord. And I thank you that because you rose from the grave, that I have grace, that I have grace, that I can have a testimony, that I'm not defined by the failures of my life, that I've done in the past or I'm going to do in the future. I know it's going to happen, but I choose now to stand on my identity and the confidence that I can have because of who I am in you, And that no matter what failure comes, I thank you that because of you, in the same way that Jesus came after Peter, that you come after me, that you encourage me, that you help me to get back up. You help me to get healed. You help me to get better, to learn, to grow. And then you continue to send me into my purpose in you. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. We had several people raise their hand. Let's give them a hand. Let's give God some praise.